Today we're going to finish up this series that uh, we've just simply called Yours. And the Yours is a reference that, uh, that we should connect to, to say that everything is yours, God. Everything belongs to you. We've talked about many different things. We just started talking about the foundational aspect of our lives belonging to God. And the different things that go with that, our money, our time, our church, the gospel message that we've been given as a church to share. And we even talked about the fact that even our problems and pains and troubles and trials, those should belong to God as well, that everything should be His. And along the way, in these past several weeks, we've uh, said this confession together that I want us to, to speak again to this morning. Do we have that? Will you say this with me? Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. Last week, we uh, took a look at uh, Scripture from Peter's first letter near the end of the New Testament in chapter 5 and took a look at the encouraging verses about the fact that we can give all our worries and cares to God because He cares for us. I want us to, to stay in that same letter today and, and move back a few verses into the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 7, where the apostle said this, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that the Lord supplies. And then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. The Apostle Peter lays a foundation here at, in this passage. And the foundation is this, and it's something that we've spoken about earlier in, in this series, and it's this. Our time is valuable. Our time is valuable. The time that each of us has, the days that each of us have, are valuable. Now, Peter and the early Christians lived in, uh, in a state of expectancy. They were expecting Jesus Christ to return in their day, in their lifetime. That's why we read in verse 7 these words, the end of the world is coming soon. Now this, again, is almost 2,000 years ago that Peter wrote these words. The end of the world hasn't happened yet. And there's a little bit of our reaction to that saying, well, what do we do with that? What's, what's going on? We see a lot of language like this in the New Testament, and, and we sing songs about the fact that the end is coming and that Christ is going to return and, and it hasn't happened yet and people make a lot of prophecies about this is going to happen and it, it still hasn't happened. And So what's going on? Well, the prophecy 
uh, from the Old Testament and the, the, inst- the instruction that Peter had and the expectancy he had, even from Jesus himself, was that the end was going to come soon. And because of that, our time was very valuable. Now, I do believe, and, and we should believe together as the church, that Jesus Christ could return at any moment. At any moment. And I think our reaction to that is probably something like, well, I guess that's true, Pastor, but... I mean, haven't preachers been saying that for a long time? And I heard that when I was a kid, and now I'm, you know, a few decades later. I mean, I, I guess it's true, but I just, I'm not so sure. I mean, maybe, maybe in reality, we've really got all the time in the world. Well, only God knows that for sure. And in Peter's own words, uh, He said this, he said, to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And he said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some might think, but instead he's waiting for more to come to repentance. The reason that Jesus has not returned and the end as we know it has not come is because of the love and grace of God. That continually reaches out to more and more people. So maybe you're not so sure about the end of the world, and I certainly wouldn't make any predictions this morning. But I can tell you one thing for sure. This life is short. And none of us, not to cast any doom and gloom over any of us today, but none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. So it's best for us to be spending our time and our valuable days as the Lord intends for us to do. That's what Peter was saying right here. Time's valuable. Time's short. So it's best to be using your time in these ways. And then he begins to outline how that should happen. So there's that foundation. Time is valuable. But the foundation's not enough. If you're building a house, you wouldn't stop with a foundation, would you? I mean, you would want a roof over your heads, correct? Is there anybody here that lives without a roof over your head? No, we want that. We've got to have that covering, that shelter. And so he he talks about not only a foundation, but a roof over heads, a covering. And he describes that in verse 8 where he says this, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. So if the foundation is that our time is valuable, then the covering, the roof over that, is to be a loving Christian community. A loving Christian community. What what does that mean? This whole thing about the fact that love covers a multitude of sins. Does that mean it doesn't matter what we do just as long as we love each other, or we're nice to people? Not at all. In fact, what we do matters a great deal. And because of that, we need to love each other deeply. Because our lives and what we do with our lives and how we spend our days and how we spend our time and the actions that, 
that we take on, what we really do matters. And because of that, it needs to be covered with love, the deep love of God. There's some, there's some great passages of, of Scripture that, that remind us of God's great love. One of the foundational passages for me and what I really believe the church is all about is, is found in Ephesians chapter 3 and chapter 4. But in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says this. He, he says, I want you to know what it is for Christ to be at home in your hearts as you trust in Him. And for your roots to grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love really is. May you experience, he said, may you know the love of Christ. And then there are these verses from, from Romans chapter 8 that, that I hope are are, are stuck in the back of your mind and, and have, have made their way into your spirit. These words from Romans chapter 8 that I hope you know. Again, verse 38. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then earlier in this, in this letter that, that Peter wrote, in the first chapter of 1 Peter, he says this, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. And love each other deeply with all of your heart. Now, for that kind of love to be present, it's got to be more than just something kind of out there in the atmosphere. It's got to be something that, that is actually seen and in many ways tangible. And how's that going to happen? It's through this covering of a loving Christian community, a place where forgiveness is at the forefront of our relationships, a place where our actions have real meaning for real people that we know and that we care about deeply, and where it makes our words and actions more than just noise. You remember the, uh, the, uh, the words and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that's sometimes called the love chapter. Those words where it talks about if we don't have love, then everything else is just, it doesn't really matter. And there's those words where, where the Apostle Paul says that if we don't have love, then what we do is just like... Is that annoying, anybody? I hope it woke a couple people up. I mean, I'm on, I'm on, let me just do that again. That's what the Apostle Paul said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said that's what, that's what things are like without love. That's what a church is like without love. That's what our actions, our, our, our words and deeds are, and if they are not covered in the love of Christ. It's just like banging a noisy cymbal. There's also this, uh, 
this metaphor and this language that that Peter uses where he says our love covers over a multitude of sins and when I had this in mind I thought I'd have a wireless mic going on but let me just see let me see what can happen here See if I can do this without any damage And you see those roaring flames? Now, the way uh, that candle is, it doesn't look like a, a scary fire in any way, but Peter talked about the fact that there is, um, there is an enemy who's trying to destroy us and that life is going to bring all kinds of, of fiery trials, he said. And among those trials are all the temptations that we face and the struggles that we have and the things that we do that, that show disobedience to God. And Peter said, when you, when you are living in a loving Christian community, when other people are loving you deeply with the love of Christ, he says love covers a multitude of sins. And in fact, the language he use, uses basically says that love takes the oxygen out of sin it just covers it over and distinguishes the flame and when we love it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen it doesn't mean that sins don't exist but what it says is this God's love can take the flame out he can he can come in and squelch the the things that would destroy us things that would rob us of real life, the things that would destroy the church. And so if we're existing in a loving Christian community where we're meant to live out our lives and where, where people follow Jesus' example, and his example is this. This is how Jesus showed that he loved us when he said this, I'm the Son of Man, but I didn't come to be served i came to serve and give my life in the last hours before he would literally give his life away what did he do and we should think of this every time we see a towel every time we see a bowl or basin or perhaps tub of water every time we we see this i wish this would come to our mind what did jesus do in those last hours he took the place of a servant and washed the feet of his disciples and what did he say to them he said this is how you do it this is how you live i'm your master but i'm washing your feet as a servant you should do the same for one another how do we demonstrate that we really know what a loving Christian community is? It's in how we spend our time. And Jesus spent his time in giving his time, his talents, his abilities to bless, to lift, to teach, to encourage, to help other people. And he told all of his followers which would include you today if you say I'm a follower of his, he's telling you today that you should do the same. You know, I was, um, I am um, blessed, but I was so blessed to be raised by loving Christian parents. 
and to, um, to be able to receive what they taught me. But what they taught me was made even more credible and more authentic and more real and had more meaning in my life because it was reinforced and demonstrated by so many other people. People who spent their time and used their gifts and abilities to make a difference in my life for Jesus Christ. And, and this morning, I just wanted to, to share some of their names with you. I, I don't expect that you will know these names. I, 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 I would doubt, I mean, maybe just if some of you have been a part of the Church of Nazarene for a long time, and maybe you've got roots in Oklahoma or Mississippi or Middle Tennessee, maybe you might come across a name that you know, but I kind of doubt it. None of these people are famous. Really, not even famous within the Church of the Nazarene. None, none of these people, um, really what I expect you to know. And you know what else? None of these people up here, none of these people are pastors. None of them were professional paid ministers of any kind. They were all just men and women who served and lived as a part of a loving Christian community. These are people that changed my diapers, who rocked me to sleep, who taught me the scriptures, who uh, took me fishing and camping, who let uh, me and my friends ride in their Corvette, people who gave me a love of, of Christ-exalting music, people who taught me the doctrine of the church, visited me in the hospital, cooked some awesome meals for church gatherings, people who who showed me how to play ball with a, well, tried to show me how to play ball with a Christ-like attitude. That's, that's a challenge. And there are people on this list who gave me opportunities, even when I was young, to begin to use my talents and my time and my gifts and abilities for Jesus Christ and for others. And when I look at these names, I don't think about clanging symbols at all. And when I look at some of these names, I know they knew what it meant to take the oxygen right out of the sin and put a covering of love over my life. They served in such a way that from 30 to almost 50 years later, I still remember their names and their faces. They used their time and gifts and talents and abilities to make a difference in my life and in many others for the sake of Jesus Christ. And my goal today, this morning, is to challenge you 
by the authority of the Word of God and through the love of Christ, I challenge you to do the same. Because this word is for each one of us here this morning. Back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. This is a verse for you. If you're wondering if this message is for you, the answer is yes. Listen to this again. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? That's pretty broad, isn't it? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And all glory should go to him forever and ever. It's really not about what your specific gifts and talents and abilities are. At least not in terms of whether or not the specific talent or skill or ability that you have made it into some list in Scripture. And there are several places where either Peter or Paul or someone else lists a variety of spiritual gifts or things that, that if, if we have these, you should use them for God. And some of us look at those lists and go, well, none of those apply to me. I'm off the hook. None of those were meant to be an exhaustive or an exclusive list. But instead, they were put there to say, whatever God has given you, use it for his glory. And use it within the body of Christ. Use it within the context of a loving Christian community where, where the foundation is, is that our lives and our time are very valuable. But the love of Christ covers everything. And within that context, use your gifts and talents and abilities, your days and your time, to strengthen one another. And we all need that because, because when we do that, it helps us to sustain our faith. All of us, all of us face challenges. If we're trying to live, live a godly life, if we're trying to live for the Lord, we all face challenges where, uh, of our faith where it's difficult, where it's a struggle. And if all of us are, are honest and have an honest assessment of our lives, we know this, we can't sustain our faith in a mighty way without help, without encouragement, without the ministry of others, and others that go way beyond just those who have the title and role of a pastor. Every one of us is called to use the gifts and talents and abilities that God's given to us to strengthen one another, to help sustain our faith, and also to cope with opposition that we face. As we face that. In fact, the people that Peter was writing to, as we talked about last week, they were facing all kinds of persecution and difficult circumstances because they were following Christ. It wasn't acceptable where they were. And there were authorities and and other people and perhaps even their own families and others who were persecuting 
them because of this. So they were facing difficulties and struggles. And he said, you've got to use whatever you have to, to help cope with this opposition. He talked about the fiery trials, and he talked about the enemy that's trying to destroy us. I want you to maybe, maybe just glance around for a minute. Just, just kind of take a look around. Think about the people that are in this room right now. Who, who among us here today do you think might need some kind of help? Some form of encouragement? Some support? Some de demonstrable act of kindness? Who among us here needs sound teaching and wisdom given to us? Who among, here, uh, among us here needs people to stand with us and stand by us? Think a moment about the, the children down the hall. The middle schoolers upstairs or wherever they might be today. How many of them need people besides their parents? Many of them living with only one parent. How many of them need people besides their parents to demonstrate God's love and to teach them about his grace and truth? Shouldn't each one of them and shouldn't each one of us know the love and power that comes from serving as Jesus served? As I said early on, it was clear from um, the context of this letter that, that Peter thought it was, it was evident that, that this, this life was near an end, that the world as he knew it was near an end, that the time was short, that, that Jesus Christ was, was coming soon. And because of that, it, it drove him to truly believe that his time and the time of everybody else was valuable and not only was it valuable, but it was meaningful because he believed everything was headed somewhere. That history and life wasn't pointless and it wasn't going in a circle, but no, it's headed somewhere. And he believed it was headed toward God's intended goal in his direction. In the verses that uh, come before the passage that we looked at today, Peter described some, some ways that some people were spending their time. He talked about people who spent their time chasing their own desires, going after all kinds of things that godless people, he said, enjoy, their immorality and their lust and feasting and 
drunkenness and wild parties and worshiping other gods and just chasing their own desires. And he said, you know, that's the way some choose to spend their days and their time. But not us. Because we believe our time is so valuable and so important and that what we have we've been given by God, we choose to use it and to spend it for his glory and to bless other people. There was a man named Isaiah who had an incredible experience in God's presence one day. And he was blown away by what the vision that he saw and the, the incredible things that seemed to be happening around him. And it made him call out to God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of glory. And, and he had a kind of a very worshipful moment in God's presence, which is really cool to have happen. Many of us have had experiences where we really sensed and felt like God's Spirit was, was near and close and real. And we just had a, a glimpse and a feeling of that, and it, it made us give Him praise, and, and it humbled us to be in His presence. But you know, Isaiah came out of that experience, and God spoke to him and said, I've got some things that need to be done, something that needs to happen. Is there anybody available to do that? And Isaiah's response then wasn't, let's go back and listen to some more music. Let's go back and get another good feeling. He said, no, if that's the case, Lord, then here am I. Use me. The Scripture teaches us that history, that life, that God's church, that our lives have purpose and they're headed somewhere. That they're headed, they should be headed toward God's intended goal. And I want you to know and trust and believe and open yourself up to the fact that your life should belong to God that it's valuable, that's important, that God has designed you in a certain way and given you certain gifts and abilities and experiences and all of those things that you might use them within the context of the Christian community to not only honor God, but to help and bless others that we might sustain our faith, cope with the opposition, and be all that God has called us to be. Will you bow your heads with me? I want you to think for just a moment about the value of your time and your day, the value of the, the talents that God has given you, the skills that he's helped you acquire, the experiences that you've had that have prepared you to, to be able to do certain things or relate to people who are also going through similar experiences. 
I want you to think about the fact that, that God has given you all of that and given you the breath that you breathe today that you might give it back to him to honor him, to recognize how good and gracious he is and that what he's given you and what, he's, what he would call you to do is not just for some religious purpose, but it's for the purpose of making a difference in people's lives. Some that you know and some that you don't. To make a true difference. To say that um, you would give all that you have to Him. We sometimes sing this worship song in which we say, I give you my worship and all of my passion. I give you my whole heart and all my devotion. And my prayer today is that we would give the Lord everything that we have. And that includes our time and our day, our talents and abilities, and use them for Him. Let's stand together and express this worship to Him.